0: Welcome to I Am All This, a podcast that explores what it means to show up fully present here now. I'm your host, Kate Hurley, and this podcast episode is a little bit different. How? It's actually a solo show. And today, I'm going to address some of the issues and themes that have been coming up since the global pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement took center stage. To be honest, I went back and forth about whether or not I should even record this episode at all. And it's not because I don't think the show's important. I do. I just have a few concerns. My biggest concern in sharing the show with you is that you'll mistake me for an anti-racism educator or an activist. I'm neither of those things. My other concern is that by me sharing some of my own experiences, From my movement and meditation practice and how it fits into current events, I'm worried that's going to lead to comparison, even at the subtle level. Comparison is rarely helpful. Just like judgment is rarely helpful, comparison doesn't really serve us either. So in case you need the reminder, there is no one way your move and meditate practice should look. And there's not a prescribed set of benefits that you should be receiving from it. What you get from your practice is uniquely yours. What needs to be seen, what needs to be brought to your attention, that is exactly what you will see and what you will become aware of. Just know that, trust that. So a few housekeeping items to start. The Meditation 101 eight-week program with my teacher Kimberly Carson was initially going to launch in June. I'm pushing that out a few weeks. It's still happening, and it's going to be freaking amazing, but the timing needs to feel right. So stay tuned for more information on that. I do have a new high-intensity class on the app and website called Waves of Attention, and it's all about becoming aware of how attention has a wave-like function. If you've ever felt like, "Ugh, I suck at meditation, I always get distracted, this class is for you. It's also for you if you've had a really hard time focusing these past few weeks with these global emergencies. For me, understanding that attention is going to get pulled towards whatever's the loudest, whatever's the most dense and salient, knowing that has helped me to have so much more compassion for myself right now because, of course, I'm going to get distracted when I feel threatened or when the collective's threatened. That's normal. Okay, now I want to speak to a few things that I'm doing, that this company is doing, to make sure that this community is welcoming and safe for everyone. It's not lost on me that I'm a thin white woman in the health and wellness space. My commitment to you is that me and my tiny team are going to keep educating ourselves. I'm doing anti-racism work behind the scenes I'm here to amplify the voices of Black women, especially, but Indigenous women and women of color, too. I'm here to highlight the people who inspire me. And when I get it wrong, and if and when I do cause harm, I will let you know and I'll promise to do better. So my commitment to you is that my intention is that we continue to work in partnership so that everybody is safe and welcome and feels valued no matter what they look like. In January of 2019, I set aside a collection of scholarships specifically for Black women and women of color to access the K-App and website for free. I'm bringing those scholarships back now. If you are a Black, brown, person of color, please send me an email at hello at katehurley.com to learn more about these scholarships. I do have a limited number. That's the reality of being a small business owner, but I'm here to serve as many people as I can. Now let's talk. Because for the past few weeks, I've been really feeling like everything I know is being shaken up. It's little things, like being able to know that I can buy soap at the grocery store. And then it's also big things, like questioning fundamental beliefs I have about the world and my role in it. The other day, I was standing knee-deep in the ocean, just hanging out in the Pacific Ocean, And as the waves were rolling through, my attention turned towards the sand rapidly disappearing underneath my feet. The current was just pulling the sand away from the shore at a rapid pace. And I couldn't help but laugh because it's the perfect metaphor for what's going on right now. The ground that so many of us have known isn't here anymore. Or... It's changing, it's shifting. Maybe the ground is still here, it's just not what we thought it was. So we can all agree that movement and meditation can't undo racism, right? Movement and meditation can't fix white supremacy, but it can help to give us clarity. It can help us stay steady and resilient. It can remind us of our value. And remember that we aren't just impacted by each other, that we are each other, that no one is free unless all of us are free. I had a really powerful experience during a protest that I'd like to share with you. So when the Black Lives Matter protests began, I was living in Washington, D.C., I've recently moved back to Oregon, but for these protests at the end of May, the first week in June, I was in DC participating. Before going to the first protest, since I'm pretty new to marching, the only marches I've been a part of previously have been the women's marches since the 2016 election. So I'm new and I read up about my role as a white woman, about what to bring, about how I can add value. And what I gathered from the black activists I took advice from is that protesting is deliberate. It's organized. It might look to the newbie like me that it's random, but it requires restraint and a lot of coordination and skill. My biggest takeaway from researching was that primarily my role as a white woman at these protests was to use my body as a shield between any law enforcement and black or brown person, since I'm at lower risk of getting injured purely based on how I look. The other thing I learned was that I should keep an eye out for tense situations. So if there's an issue or tensions escalating, I can either use my body as a shield, if it's an issue between an officer and a black person, for example, Or if it's another white person who's acting out or getting violent or just any white person causing trouble, my role is to tell them to cut it out and remind them to center black people's voices. This is what I discovered through Google. Um, This is what I learned through my research that when, when white people act out at protests, it's oftentimes black people who will pay the price for it. Okay, so there's some context for you. So, armed with this knowledge and the sense of mission, I show up in Washington, D.C., and I join the protests. On the fifth or sixth night of protesting outside the White House, there are thousands of people, and the volume of security keeps increasing. And I'm there, I'm paying close attention, I'm using my body as a shield participating in some of the chants, not all of them. And at one point, one of the Black organizers made her way to the front. And she's speaking to all of us in the crowd. She's sharing her experience, telling all of us why this matters to her, why we're doing this, how we need to keep going and continue to push even when the protests end. We need to take this energy back into our everyday lives. In her address to all of us, she spoke about the preschool to prison pipeline. She talked about how black people don't get second chances with the law, so everybody better behave and not get thrown in jail tonight. She also spoke about how the military and the police force is in her blood because her grandfather, or maybe it was her great-grandfather, was one of the first black paratroopers And she invited us to look him up online and visit his exhibit at one of the museums where he was featured. While she's educating us and putting her life on the line to be there and speak in the midst of this global pandemic surrounded by rows of law enforcement carrying really large guns. At the same time that this is happening, there are some white men behind me. And these men start to speak over her and scream at the law enforcement in front of us, calling law enforcement misogynistic names, basically saying that they're pussies, that they're terrible people. This feels off to me. This feels bad for a number of reasons. So I turn around and to these white men, I say something like, hi. I'm really new to this whole protesting thing, but it's my understanding that these protests are not the time for white people to be heard. Our job is to center the voices of black people, specifically black women. You're also yelling stuff that I'm not sure is very helpful. It seems like you might just be stirring the pot. These men very directly and passionately tell me I am wrong that they have freedom of speech. And then in the next moment, there is a black woman also speaking to me in a very passionate and direct way, telling me that I am wrong to silence them. Next, she invites me to get louder and get angrier with her She tells me she is sick and tired of being the angriest person in the room, and she believes the path to liberation is for white people like me to carry and express some of that anger for her. I thank her for educating me, and for the next several hours, our little group stands together, peacefully protesting, each with different ideas about how we should show up. Okay, so I'm not sharing this experience to debate with you. I'm not here to judge or argue or defend myself or anybody else. That's not why I'm sharing this story. The reason why I'm sharing this is because in that moment when emotions were high, when voices were raised and passionate, and all of us in our little group of protesters with different backgrounds and different perspectives had... Like all of us had different ideas about how we could be of service. And I'm not going to lie to you, it was really tense. But what surprised me about this tense moment is what was happening for me internally during it. I've never been in this type of situation before. But typically, when there's any kind of conflict... I have a pattern of panicking a bit. I feel really intense emotions. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's defensiveness. Sometimes it's anxiety or anger. But what was different this time, standing outside the White House in Washington, D.C., is that the sting of any kind of emotion at all just disappeared during this encounter. Truly, there was nothing. It was almost like I disappeared. I became pure awareness. I became an observer who was fully present, not needing to fix anything, not needing to smooth anything out. I was just there holding space for all of these big emotional currents to move through. And then I received a message. It was a thought that I am positive. I am certain I did not generate this thought myself. Maybe this has happened to you before where you just get like a download of some kind. It's spontaneous and it appears from within and the message was this. This is what it's about. This is what it means to show up and try It's not about being liked or popular or being right. And it's definitely not about being good. It's about being present. It's about doing your best what you think is right. This message that I received isn't entirely new. I've learned this or versions of this from other anti-racism educators before. Black women have been saying for decades, for hundreds of years, that it's not about white people's feelings, it's about the massive inequality and this urgent need to do better. Even though it wasn't an earth shattering brand new message, it was pretty earth shattering and crazy magical for me. Because not experiencing the sting of the emotions And just being able to stand there, to embody what these activists were talking about, that was what felt different. My movement and meditation practice gave me, in this moment, what I absolutely needed. And this is the most important part. So listen up. I didn't do anything. I am not a hero in this story. Right? I didn't make this happen. I didn't somehow force the emotions to not be there. It was just a spontaneous gift that my practice gave me. My teacher, Kimberly, says that over time, your practice starts to do you. This little story is an example of that. And I bet if you get curious and start paying close attention You'll see how your practice shows up in all kinds of really unexpected ways in your own life. Maybe you've already started to notice some of those ways that you're benefiting. Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese monk, and he says that the next awakening is going to be the community, the whole collective waking up. Historically, if you look at the wide awake teachers— across all the different wisdom traditions, there's been, you know, one or a few great beings on the planet at a time, like the Buddha, or Jesus, or Nityananda. Nityananda, by the way, was an Indian mystic in the Kashmir Shaivism lineage. But I keep thinking about this collective awakening, and it's kind of impossible to wonder if that's not what's happening now or at least to wonder if some of these global emergencies are maybe laying the foundation for that down the line in the near future. Last October, I visited my family in Italy. On that trip, we traveled to Assisi, which is where St. Francis, who I like to call Francesco, is from. Now I'm not religious, but Francesco's story, his legend says that he was a part of the Crusades, the religious wars, and he was captured and imprisoned. And it was during this time of what I imagine to be quite a bit of suffering and hardship, that he had some profound mystical experiences. Legend has it when he returned to Assisi, he was fully awake, ready to be of service. Once, <laughs> What's interesting to me is not about whether this is real, right? I don't really want to have a conversation with you talking about religion or God or, you know, whether this stuff really happened. But the reason why I bring this up is because this story reminds me that the process of waking up isn't necessarily comfortable. In fact, maybe at times it can be a little bit terrifying. Another wise teacher and healer named Andre told me last summer, that the deeper dolphins dive, the higher they jump. Right now, I'm dreaming of how high we might all jump if we're willing to continue to stay present as we dive down deep. I'll close with two quotes. This first one is from Audra Lorde. Audra describes herself as a Black mother, lesbian warrior poet. I just love that so much. And she says, I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. I'll say that again because it's so important. I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. The last one is from Ramana Maharshi, shared with me by my teacher, Kimberly. Ramana was a wide-awake Indian mystic and teacher. And a student asked him, how should we treat others? He responded, there are no others. So that's our show today. Thanks for listening and sticking with me throughout this. I hope you got something out of this episode. I realize this one may have stretched you or made you uncomfortable, but we can keep growing and learning together. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community. Until next time, here's to showing up fully present here now.